Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. presence of the Lord this morning. Y'all ready for a word? All right, you better be ready. You better buckle up and hang on. We're going to dive deep this morning. Grab your Bibles and stand with me. Uh, We've been on a series of discovering your purpose. We interrupted that series uh, last week for Mother's Day. Amen. How many knows you got to shut everything down for mama? Mm-hmm. Just keep quiet. Don't say nothing. But anyway, we're going to get back on that today. Uh, and we're going to deal with the subject. We're going to title it The Master Plan. Now, last week, we, we had the potter on the screen. And, and I want you to try to get back in that mode of how he molds and transforms a vessel into what he desires that vessel to be. Uh, because he knows the best uh, what vessel we need to be, amen? So kindly part two of part four uh, is the master plan, but if you're taking notes, I really want you to write down as a heading, the family of God, the family of God. And today we're going to raise the bar of doctrine. We're gonna raise it to a level that you might be uncomfortable with, but I think you're gonna find that it's totally scriptural And uh, the reason we have to raise the bar of doctrine because it raises the behavior of the believer. Amen. If you keep, if you if you aim low, you shoot low. So we're going to aim high with this this morning. So I challenge you before you cut me off uh, or call me a heretic, chew on it, think about it, take the word, pray about it, Amen, and let God show you. So turn with me. I have come to the conclusion in uh, discovering the purpose of God for my life. I need to understand what's the grand scheme of it all anyway. What is this all about? Why did God create the universe? Why did God even put man on the universe? So today, there's some big questions we're going to answer. You ready for that? Because if I don't understand the purpose of God, how can I even understand why I exist? But understanding the purpose of God enables me to stay on the potter's wheel and let him mold me into what he has called me to be, all right? So we're going to try to do that this morning in less than two hours. Can I get a witness? Some of y'all are laughing like that was a joke. (laughs) Ephesians chapter number four. And what I want you to be looking at in these scriptures are looking for. Sometimes scriptures is something preachers do before they say a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the scriptures. Today, I don't want want that to be the case. I want you to see uh, the scriptures I'm about to read to you is actually when Jesus died on the cross and they put his body in a tomb. How many know he was busy doing some stuff? Your Bible teaches that he descended to the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive. He went and preached and got old Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of those. Uh, and on the way back by earth, he established his church. And these scriptures reveal the whole reason the church exists. You're about to find the whole purpose 
and the plan, or not whole, but you're going to see purpose and plan in these few short scriptures of what this is really even all about. Okay? Are you there? Ephesians 4, verse number 11 says, uh, and it's talking about when Christ came, he started giving gifts to establish his church, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. So he's setting up his church. And then he tells you why in verse number 12. This is the purpose. This is why you need church. This is why you need to gather together with the body of Christ. Because God has set offices, men and women of God, to fulfill verse number 12. He said, I set all these men and women in order for the perfecting of the saints. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. Tell your other neighbor, you got a long way to go. Easy on that. <laughs> he set them up for the perfecting, bringing to maturity, the perfecting of the saints so that you could do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, and I really need you to just highlight this in your spirit, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Wow. Are you with me now? I want you to realize I'm staying within the confines of Scripture. I like what the Amplified says. It says that we might arrive at really mature manhood. The completeness of the personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. The whole purpose is to bring you to the same level of life as Jesus Christ himself. Man, that's too much. Can y'all receive that? The whole purpose is to transform you into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ himself. Now turn to our, back to our Romans 8, 28 through 30. That's the scriptures we've been using all through this series. Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who call, are called according to what? Now, what is his purpose? His purpose is to conform me into the very image of Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed. There it is. Conformed to what? Conformed to who? Not conformed to some denomination. Not conformed to some religion. Not conformed to your pastor. But conformed to the very image of his son, Jesus Christ. That Christ may be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. 
Whom he called, he justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. Let's pray together before you're seated. Amen. Pray for yourself right now because I'm going to preach something so spiritual, your natural man's going to miss it. Father, I pray God open our spirits right now to receive, conceive, to understand, to comprehend. Help us not listen to this sermon with our natural ears, but with our spirit, Father, that we may be able to receive it, be changed by it, and be the better for it. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you as you're seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, I want to deal with discovering our purpose as it relates to Romans 8, 29, which states that our predetermined purpose was and is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Having said that, it's not about your comfort. It's not about your convenience. It's about God conforming you into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. And you got to go with me this morning. Now, that word conform is not passive at all. Actually, it's very, it's a very aggressive word because it entails changing from one form to another. That's as aggressive as it gets. Amen. Uh, we all say we like change. Everybody wants change. Everybody, we need change. I just love change until it comes time to change. And what we didn't realize about change is to change, I would love to be buff and built with a six-pack. We talking about muscles here, not beer. Y'all follow me? Amen? I would just love that change in my life. But the problem is I got to leave where I am to get where I want to go. Y'all ain't going to help me this morning, are you? I mean, I just love to have it all together, amen, and I want to change for the better, but the reason I am like I am is because of the habits I have incurred and acquired. So in order for change, I have to change some habits. We, we, we ought to be... We're like them new agers. We just want osmosis. Hmm. Are y'all following me? Amen. And we think faith is a magical potion, amen, that we can just say some kind of prayer, get anointed with some kind of olive oil that's probably 10 years old, and something supernatural is going to happen in my life, and I'm going to be everything I want to be. Oh, yeah? Really? That's why they're making billions off you on that commercial that says, take this pill, shave 20 pounds off in 20 minutes. Huh? I've literally seen this commercial. You don't have to change the way you're eating. You don't have to change anything. Just take this pill. Where's my cell phone? That's, that's what we want. But change never comes, amen, without change is a violent word. To conform, he said, is a violent. Matter of fact, the word actually means in the Greek, it actually entails a departing. It means to leave something so natural and familiar to go somewhere that seems so unnatural and unfamiliar. That takes faith. It doesn't matter if where you are is dysfunctional. 
It takes faith even to leave dysfunction for functionality. Oh, my Lord. Am I talking to anybody in this place? It's the truth. It's the truth. I don't like what I am. I don't like how I'm acting. I don't like why, how I'm responding. And I would sure love to do better. Amen. But you know what? I've gotten good at being dysfunctional. I got it mastered. I can do it all by myself. High five your neighbor and tell him, I got this. I got this. Oh, I know, I know I could be doing better and I know I should be doing better, but I'm so good at this that when I start stepping or trying to step into another arena, I feel awkward. Oh my God. It feels awkward to start trying to be better and do better. And the devil gets in and says, amen, you know what? You were better off where you were in your dysfunction. Oh my God, we're gonna help somebody in this place. Amen. So it's always easier to go back than to go forward. Somebody shout change. It's always easy to stay where you are. Amen. Even when God is showing you where you can be and should be. And if you are a Christian, amen, church is nothing but a burden to you. Because every time you go to church or open your Bible, it's showing you what you can be in spite of what you are. So what ought to be an encouragement to you is a burden to you. And there's, oh my God, help me this morning, Holy Spirit. So every message you hear, amen, is not a challenge to be better. It's condemnation because I ain't going to get better. It's condemnation. And we leave the church depressed. <laughs> Saying, who told that preacher about me? Huh? Boy, I'm just wading around in this this morning. I ain't getting in no hurry. I'm looking for you. Huh? Everybody's scared to look at me right now. Who told that preacher about me? Well, I, today, for all of you that said that, I'm gonna who I'm gonna tell you who told on you. Your father. Your father. And he's not out to condemn with his word and his will. He's out to pull up behind you. This is what I created you to be. Amen. This is who you really are. Amen. Get up off your lazy. Oh, somebody ought to help me. Amen. Shake your neighbor right now and tell him, get up. Get up off your lazy. So, so this confirmation, conformation, this conformity entails leaving a mindset for a new mindset. And there's nothing no more harder to break than mindsets. Amen. And sometimes we come into church and get saved and we think we've taken on a new mindset, but we've just dressed our old mindset in Christian Huh? And, and we used to manipulate on the street to get what we want. And now we're trying to manipulate God to get what we want. So nothing has changed, but the words coming out of our mouth, the places, the places we go. Oh my God, who am I talking to in this place this morning besides everybody? 
Amen. And we come in here, we start manipulating systems and brothers and sisters. Amen. And the only thing that really changed is that I have my name on the roll somewhere. And God said, no, 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 no. That's religion. That's what religion does. My whole purpose is to conform you into the very likeness of my son Christ. That's my whole, my, 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 my whole, and, and this, like I said, I got to move. Amen. But this can be so uncomfortable. It can be so, because it's so unfamiliar. It's so unfamiliar to us. Isn't it amazing that Jacob means uh, supplanter, thief, deceit, liar. That's what Jacob means. So when God changed his name to Israel, he touched his thigh and he walked with a limb. That's how he walked. As a thief, he walked like this. But as a Christian, oh my God, is anybody with me? In other words, every step reminded him, I can't get from here to there without somebody to lean on. Every step reminded him, amen, I could do that old life by myself, but this new life, I'm going to need a Christ to lean on in order for me to be successful. So, so don't quit. Oh, my God, tell your neighbor, don't quit. Don't quit because it's uncomfortable. Christ is just trying to get you to where every step you're having to lean on him. You're having to lean on him. Now, now. This, this process, which is what I want to deal with today, it cannot be done without faith. It cannot, that's the limp. That's that part you're not good at. That's that part you're not strong at. Oh my God, is anybody hearing this preacher this morning? That's the part you can't do on your own. So it takes faith. And sometimes for anybody that's ever done something for Jesus Christ, it can be some of the most awkward feeling moments of your life. It can be so uncomfortable when you're out there doing something that'll bring glory to God. Am I right about it? And sometimes we quit because I'm just not comfortable with it. And, and the reason you're not comfortable with it is because God says it must be done by faith. Matter of fact, may I submit to you, a lot of people come in to the church, get saved, and bring their gifts and talents with them and think that's what God called them to do. The majority of the time, that's not what God called you to do. Praise God you're a good singer, but you could sing in the bar as good as you sing on this platform. Are you following me? Usually when God, when, when God gives you your calling, there's a limp in it. You're, you're not real good at it, so you got to trust in God to be able to accomplish it. My, 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 my. So, so this, this process, this transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ, it cannot be done by faith. And obviously, if conforming to a better state could be done in the flesh or by our own strength, we have already done it because who don't want to do and be better? If I could get better on my own, I'd have done done it. I was an alcoholic that was losing my family, a family which I loved. And I wanted to be better, and I wanted to do better, but I had no power to do any better on my own. 
So obviously, if this transformation into the likeness of Christ could be done by the flesh, we'd have already done it, amen? So this conformity is not and cannot be the work of the flesh. It cannot be by willpower. We're bringing people into the church Offering them a salvation that entail turns around where they got to use all of their willpower to overcome self and try to be like Jesus. Oh, I'm going to present to you a gospel that that does not exist. That does not exist. God did not intend for me to use 12 steps of willpower. I can do that at AA. Amen. I can go to AA and get 12 steps and a lot of them are more sober than some Christians. Oh, y'all ain't liking me this morning. Amen. Simply willpower, willpower. Oh, are they still alcoholics? Absolutely. Are they still bound? Absolutely. Amen. They're just not engaging in the same activity. Amen. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. He brought a gospel that I can be born again and I don't have to have willpower I got to have spirit power. Oh, I don't know if you're ready for this this morning. I don't know. I don't know. We got to rethink this whole salvation thing. Amen. When you were born the first time, you were born with addictions and, 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 and you were born with the nature of sin, but you were born dysfunctional. But when you were born again, you were born by the seed of God and there is no dysfunction. There is no addiction. There is no bondage. Ooh, I'm going to stretch you. Amen. The reason they so much struggle in the church with, with us is because we're trying to produce the life of Christ through nothing but sheer willpower, and it cannot be done. The highest you can get is religion. And we settle for that. Well, okay, I go to Life Church and their rules are this, 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 and this, and this. And I have conquered all that. Whew. Got it. They said I can't get drunk at Life Church. I don't get drunk. But boy, I'd love to. Oh my God, I'm preaching better than you shouting. But, but, but I'd love to. I'd love to. Amen. And, uh, and I'm in church singing about the goodness and the glory of a God I'm in love with. And in the back of my mind, I said, God, if I just had a beer. Oh, my God, y'all ain't going to help me this morning. Are you listening to me? And God is saying, really? 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 You in love with me with another woman on your mind? Huh? Y'all are analyzing, and now you're holding up your salvation and said, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm telling you, I'm going to teach you and preach to you and start teaching you there is a level of life in Jesus Christ that allows me to walk in an immortal state of incorruptibility. Woo, write that down, because I got scripture to back it up. I thought, God, how much of this worship are you receiving this morning when 90%, well, I ain't going to say 90%, when 50% of your church got up this morning aggravated because it was Sunday? How much of this exuberant worship is really meaning anything to you when if I really had my way, I wouldn't even be here? I kind of felt like I got an attitude this morning. Y'all pray for me. 
Amen. It's kind of like me coming home with my wife. Well, I'm home. You happy? Oh, my God, that's just speaking. Are you happy out here? And you come mad and take it out on half people in church. Look at me like that. You lucky I'm here. Oh, yeah, bye. <laughs> oh, God, that old spirit's coming back. I used to have a bye-bye spirit. Huh? Hey, man, how, how will I feel? Hey, man. To have to have a coach standing up in front of me in my home saying, tell her you love her. Tell her you love her. Lift your hands and... Uh, and we got to have a cheerleader now because we haven't experienced true salvation. Amen. And we want to come in and sing worship songs that is verbalizing an adoration that does not exist. Because if I had my way, I wouldn't even be here. And if you'll hurry up and get through, I won't be back until next Sunday. My God, he's preaching this morning. Are you listening to me? And we're calling that salvation in a relationship with God. Amen. When, when you come in with that mindset, then you're always fighting. Always fighting with yourself uh, to do the right thing and not to do the wrong thing. When God said, I'm going to put a spirit in you and you cannot sin. You cannot. You cannot. It's not who you are. It's, they can tie you to a whipping post and beat all the skin off your back and you'll leave saying, we were counted worthy to suffer for our Christ. Don't know about this mealy mouth Christianity we got today. Wouldn't work in your, for your spouse, I bet it don't work for God. That what we call worship, what we call worship, God's holiness knows. What is that stink coming out of that church? Instead of it being a sweet-smelling Savior of a love you that it never come out of my mouth, but Monday through Saturday, my every step was saying, I love you, Jesus. My every decision was saying, I love you, Jesus. My every action, my response to every insult was nothing but I love you, Jesus, to an almighty God. Is anybody in this place? Settle down, Pastor. No, no, this conformity that I'm fitting to preach to you cannot be done by the willpower of a man. It cannot be done by the flesh. It has to be done by the Spirit. That's why my text, your word, amen, unapologetically, emphatically established the fact that this process of conforming is the work of God. As a matter of fact, it's the work of the Godhead. It's Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit working together to produce something in you that looks just like Jesus. Because it is God who does the calling. It is Christ who does the justifying. And it is the Holy Spirit who does the glorifying. They're in, they're in a teamwork. They're in a teamwork. Amen. That reminds me of what God said in the beginning. Let us make man in our image. Let's work together to produce something that looks like me what God was saying, looks like me, acts like me. So God is the potter and we are the clay and he is conforming us in the blueprint or the standard. The standard by which the potter is working 
is Jesus Christ himself. In other words, he's forming a, 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 a ugly lump of clay and his eyes is on the mold. And his name is Jesus. And everything he's doing is in relation to who he's looking at, which is Christ. Ooh, this don't look like him. Oh, my God. Somebody just said, oh, God, that's me. That's me. That's where I'm at right now. And the clay is on the potter's wheel and it's spinning round and round and round. Somebody just said, that's me. <laughs> just spinning round and round and round and I don't know where I'm at or how I'm well. This is so uncomfortable. It would be easier to get off this potter's wheel. But when you're on the wheel, you're in the hands of the potter and he's looking at Jesus. He's like, I gotta, I gotta squeeze that. No, no, no. That don't look like Christ. Don't look like Christ. I gotta get that out of there because my intended purpose, amen. And, and what I need to throw in here at this point, are y'all still with me? God's not doing a, do, a new work. He's redoing the work he did in the book of Genesis. That's why it says renewal, revival, restoration. God's not doing, a, uh, this is what he did in the beginning. He took clay and said, let's make man in our image and our likeness, amen. That plan is not aborted just cause uh, the, the enemy came in and distorted everything. So God said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take that same clay, put it back on a potter's wheel and now I will conform. That's what he's doing to us. Plan remains the same that there may be a family on earth that looks just like him. So he's the potter, you're the clay, he's conforming us. The blueprint, the standard is nothing less than Jesus Christ ourselves. What's the matter with some of you? You're allowing a denominational creed to be the standard. That's what's putting people in bondage, amen? Is allowing some man-made tradition, denominational creed to be the standard by which I mold it. And when I reach that standard, I have reached my apex. And sometimes when we do, we're more cruel than we was before they started. We can be more ugly and more rude, amen? Why? Because there ain't nothing worse than appearing to be free when you're not. There ain't nothing no more discouraging than to know I'm supposed to be free, but I'm not. There's nothing more, no more frustrating to know I have jumped through all the hoops of your religion, but inside of me, huh? Inside of me, And your, your, your denomination applauds you. You've done it. You've brought that flesh under subjection. But it's no different from training a lion. Have y'all ever seen a tame lion? There ain't but one way to handle a lion. And that's a chair in one hand and a whip in the other. Amen? You know those when you go and they, they're showing you a trained lion? You know what I always want to say? Well, if he's trained, leave the chair outside. If he's trained, what do you need a whip for? It's the same way we try to do our flesh. We got a chair in one hand and a whip in the other, and we want to say, I'm free. Oh my God, I don't know if y'all ready for all this this morning, amen. When if you was to drop that wheel, you make one wrong move and you're right back into the addiction. You're right back into the dysfunction. So God said, I'm going to put you on a potter's wheel. 
And God is going to do this work. He's the only one who can do this work. Not a preacher, not a church, but God, by his spirit, he is conforming you. Amen. Jesus Christ himself is the standard to which God is bringing and molding and conforming the clay. The, my text today said that, that basically God is the potter and he's forming you into the complete personality and the, the complete personality and perfections of Jesus Christ himself. Who come up with this gospel? I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. I can't be perfect. When it's so unscriptural because God said his whole purpose was to bring you to a place of perfection that looks nothing less than Jesus Christ. So God is literally conforming you into an exact replica of his son. And everything that don't look like Jesus, he's squeezing it out of you. Somebody shout, I feel the pressure. If you ain't feeling no pressure, you ain't even on potter's wheel. Your name's on the roll, but you absent. That was good right there. Huh? Ain't even no work going on. Ain't no work going on. So, he's conforming you into an exact replica of his son. And everything that don't look like him, he's squeezing it out. He's honing it out. He's shaving it off. He's cutting it out. Amen. And as a result of this conforming, this molding can be extremely uncomfortable and terribly inconvenient. So that was a good place for somebody to say amen. It can be terribly inconvenient. It can be totally uncomfortable. But what makes this process acceptable and even desirable is understanding the purpose of the process. If I don't understand the purpose behind this, I'll get discouraged. When I get thrown in the fire and don't understand why, it's discouraging. When I go through things and don't understand why, it's discouraging. But when I understand the process, it allows me to stay on the potter's wheel so he can mold me. Amen. So understanding it is important. So verse uh, 29 says he is doing this. Verse 29, this is what he's doing. He's conforming you into the image of Christ. Catch this. So that Christ may be the firstborn of many brethren. Listen to this statement. In other words, God only had one son. His name was Jesus. But now he's expanding the family by duplicating and replicating Christ in you. This was the whole plan of God from the beginning. I got I to expand my family on the earth. I got one son. I got one son, his name is Jesus. I sent him to the earth and he, he now is the firstborn. I gotta expand the family. So God is now duplicating and rec uh, replicating his son Jesus so that he could expand, uh, so that he could expand Christ, the family of God all over the earth. So what is God doing? The father is expanding the family. 
Catch this now. And the family has the very DNA of the Father which is in heaven. Mm. It is a family that is made in his image and in his likeness. So God's predetermined purpose was to create a family, a culture, unlike any other family or culture on the earth who is recognized and characterized by its divinity and its humanity. That's that's heavy right there. God is creating a family on the earth, a new culture that is characterized by its divinity and its humanity. In other words, a bunch of people who are just as supernatural as they are natural. Can y'all receive that? Just just like Christ himself. He was deity wrapped in humanity. God said, I want to expand that. I want to expand that family. I need a sweat rag. I want to expand that family. Listen to scripture. John chapter number one says, but as many as received him... To them gave he the power to become the sons of God who were born not of blood. They were born not of the will of the flesh. They were born not of the will of man, but of God. You're talking about immaculate conception? This is immaculate conception all over. God said, I'm gonna start a family that when you're born again, it won't be by human intent. It won't be by man's design. It won't be by flesh and blood. But you're going to be born by the Spirit of God. Therefore, you're going to possess the DNA of God. Come on now, this is going to get deep right here. Can you go with me? Are you listening? In other words, it's a supernatural birth. It's a spiritual transformation that when you're truly born again, you cannot help but look like your father. You cannot help but act like your father. God said, my whole goal is to create a family, a culture so supernaturally divine that the culture around it, thank you, sir. He said, here's the whole purpose of God, to create a family, a culture that is so supernaturally divine that the culture around it recognizes as a work of God and not a man. That they stand back and look at the family, the church, and say, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's not, that's not even human. They, they don't act like humans. They act like God. Whew, it is quiet in this place. They acting like God. They acting. Y'all ain't believing me yet, so let's go deeper. I'm going to preach till y'all get it, so you better at least respond whether you get it or not. Acts 17, 29 says, you are the offspring of God. We are the offspring of God. Offspring means, uh, the Greek is genos, genos, G-E-N-O-S. It's where we get the word gene. It means kin. It means kindred. And I finally get to use this word where it's proper. It's a race. 
He said, you are the offspring of God. You are the race of God. You are the nation of God. It's a brand new race of people who is a kindred spirit with their heavenly father. Oh, is anybody getting this? Amen. I don't know what's wrong with the church today because she don't look like her father. And we're spending all our time counseling people in the flesh who have not been born again to try to get them to act like their father. When he said, you're gonna be so supernaturally born that there's gonna be an inclination in you to look like me and to act like me. He said, catch this part. You're the offspring of God. That word offspring is gene. It's where we get our word gene. Listen to what gene means. It's the part of a cell that controls or influences the appearance, behavior, and the growth of. It's the gene that influences the appearance, the growth, and the behavior. He said, when you were born, you were born of the spirit and the gene of God was placed in you. And that that is in you is now influencing your behavior and your growth and your actions. And all you do now is join a body to cultivate what God's already done in you. We're trying to be God when I'm trying to create in you a character that matches God. Oh my God, help me preach this morning. When in reality, man cannot create this gene it has to be created by God we've revamped our entire drug program because of this reason right now we don't have a drug program anymore we don't have a drug program anymore why because I can't train you not to be addicted I can't train you not to be a sinner. I can't train you to be like Christ. I cannot train you not to want drugs. But if you get born again, there is a gene placed in you, amen, that is pulling you into the likeness of God. Oh, somebody ought to help me. And though my flesh may be thinking that, there's a new form of behavior that is in my life. Oh, God, this is the good news of the gospel. Not that you come join some church and start trying to be better. It's that you come to an altar and be born again. Not with the corruptible seed of man, that's religion, but with the incorruptible seed of God. And then you get up a brand new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, all things. My God, isn't this a glorious gospel I'm preaching this morning? Amen. You ain't got to do it on your own. Huh? You can't can't do it on your own. So we shut that program down. Why? Because they dealing me misery. Dealt me misery. You can't train a cow to be a horse. You can't train a horse to be a cow. You can't train a cat to bark. Amen. Why? Because it's not his nature. Now, if you could take that gene, that meow gene out and put a gene in. (laughs) Don't look at me like that, teacher. Then that cow would start, I mean, that cat, cat, uh, cat would start barking. 
See, I can't do that. Amen. So programs will put you in more bondage than you were on the outside. Religion will put you in more bondage than you were on the outside. Amen. What I need is to be a transformed individual from the inside out. I need to be, preacher, I just can't take this first birth and make it pretty. I got to do it all over again. I got to be born again. I got to be born a second time. I got to be born by the Spirit of God. I just wonder if we did a spiritual DNA test in this house this morning, how many of you would prove to be the Son of God? Whoops. You didn't make it. (laughs) He said, we're the offspring of God. Peter said, born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Incorruptible seed. Just, I'm just kin to God. I'm the kindred of my father. Therefore, the gene he put me in me is now influencing my growth and my behavior. Amen. They used to tell us when we was little kids, you are your daddy's guts. Y'all ever heard that over here in Louisiana? You are your daddy's guts. That's what God said. That's what I'm doing. So that when people look at the church, they'll say, you are your daddy's guts. It sounded kind of crude, but it's so powerful. But because of the dilapidated state we're in, we've lost the trust of the world. They don't know who belongs to God. Matter of fact, they're saying they got the same inclinations I got. Why would I go join their church? Behold. Behold. He said, I give you 1 John 3, 1. Look at this in 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. He loved me so much. He said, I'm going to let you be called a son of God. And look what happens. Therefore, because I am such a different race now, I'm a different name. I'm so totally different from the world. The world does not know us because it did not know him. That word know means understand. The world's standing back and saying, my God, we don't understand them people. We can't even understand them. How do you love like that? How do you live like that? How do you walk like that? How do you talk? Is anybody listening to me? My God, I know this is not the picture of the church that we've got adapted to, but this is the way God designed it. So they're saying, my God, they're not of this world. They're in this world, but they're not of this world. There's something different about them, and I would love to be a part of it. So God's whole goal was to create a family, a culture so supernaturally divine that the world, I'm gonna say this and I want you to catch it. So supernaturally divine that the world cannot relate to it. He wanted to create a family so heavenly that the earth couldn't even relate to it. This is exactly what Moses said when he said, Lord, let your presence go with us. Because if your presence don't go with us, they won't know 
that were yours. The only thing that distinguishes us from every other culture is your character in our life. That's what Moses was saying. In other words, what distinguishes, catch this. Come on, I'm going to try not to be too lengthy. In other words, what distinguishes God's family from any other is that it's as much divine as it is human. I'm talking about the church. It's as much divine as it is human. The church lives beyond the human experience of continual failure and fault. The most despicable gospel being preached right now is you're a sinner saved by grace. They need to change the wording was, I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. The most despicable doctrine in the world tells me that I'm a sinner and I'm going to sin every day. When my scripture tells me, 1 John chapter number 2, how can I sin when the seed of God dwells in me? How can I continue in a dysfunctional lifestyle if I got the gene of God in me? I think we need to stop and ask the Father, does your gene really abide in me or have I joined a good thing? Wow, this is convicting. This is stirring. This is even making some people mad because I'm raising the bar of the doctrine And I'm not counseling your nonsense no more. Because I'm wasting your time and mine. I'm going to take you right back to the place that takes care of it. To the altar where God can put his gene in there. And then you don't fight. I don't fight. You don't struggle. I don't struggle. Oh man, that's a whole new mindset. Catch this. A little deeper, okay? Can I go deeper? So God, what distinguishes God's family from any other is that it is as much human or it is much divine as it is human. It's as much supernatural as it is a natural. And God's family will always be doing supernatural stuff. Not just praying every day to stay saved. But they'll be doing supernatural stuff. Like what? Healing the sick, raising the dead, walking on water? Uh Uh-uh. They'll be doing supernatural stuff like bearing fruits of love. We could just get that part. Look at your neighbor right now and tell them, be nice. What are you so angry for? Why are you being so mean? Come on, help me preach out there. Tell them, why, why are you being so rude? That's not very becoming to the family history. <laughs> Have you forgot who your daddy is? Am I preaching in this place this morning? Amen. What distinguishes us from the culture we live in, we start acting supernatural by having some long-suffering and patience with one another. Just kind of who I am. It's a gene God put in me. I can't, no, I can't take no credit for it. God put a gene in me. Just my daddy. 
Just my daddy. He said, this family is so much like God that the world around it cannot comprehend it. It cannot relate to it. For what fellowship, your Bible says, has righteousness with unrighteousness? What fellowship does darkness have with light? I'm afraid. Catch this. I want you to catch it because I say it and I'm going to mean it. I'm so sick of shiny shoes, slick-headed preachers. What are y'all laughing about? Preaching, you got to relate to the world. You got to be relative. 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 If you're going to be effective in this world, you got to be. I'm afraid we've paid too high a price to relate to the world. Because the only way for light to be relative to darkness, the only way for light to relate to darkness is to give up what it is light. Got to relate. Got to relate. I'm afraid we have forfeited the only thing that distinguishes us from every other culture, and that's our godness. We have forfeited the only thing that separates us from every other culture, and that's our God gene that influences our behavior. Got to do whatever it takes to get them sinners coming. For what? So that the sinner can become like you? He said, if you will become light and hold on to your God gene, everybody out there that is lost in this world wants to be a part of that family. Oh, we don't see it a whole lot right now because that family is not represented. That family is not really represented well, amen, because they're seeing us operate and behave just like they're behaving. But if this church, and praise God, it's gonna happen in life church, ever comes back to the place to where it is walking as the family of God, that one in the ditch is gonna say, I wanna be a part of that family. That's, that's, that's what I want to be a part of. They're free. They're happy. It's genuine. It's not medicated. It's in their genes. It's not a false, it's not a false joy. Amen. They didn't medicate that to get it. Amen. It's in their genes. And even, oh God, and even when they're walking through the fire, they still got the same peace because it's not extra. Oh, somebody help me. Even when they're going through hell, they still got joy because it's on the inside. It's real. It's deep. I got to have some of that. I got to have some of that. I got to have some of that. That's what them drug people are doing out there. I got something you need. Get you a little bump. I don't know if that's relevant anymore. Amen. What if we offered them a high that was so high, it was like the most high? Hey, what if, my God, I got to quit. I'm afraid we forfeited the only thing that makes us distinct, that distinguishes us from that culture, and that's our godness, our godliness. 
Our very nature that looks like and acts like God. And it ain't only on Sunday morning when you see me here. Amen. Are you listening to me? I'll have the same DNA on Monday I have on Sunday. I had someone literally tell me with a straight face, and it took everything I could do to keep my straight face, that people expect me to behave the same way I do Sunday. See, you laughed. As a pastor, you got to learn to. As I do all during the week. It's two different realms. I said, that's the problem. It's superficial. It's not in your genes. It's not who you are, it's what you are. He said, for our conversation is in heaven from it's all, it's all. Catch this, catch this, I'll let you go. For our conversation is in heaven. Somebody repeat that with me. Uh, do I give you that scripture? They need to see that. Philippians 3.20. Look, let's look at this scripture, Philippians 3.20. It says, for our conversation is in heaven. Our, con our conversation is where? Is in heaven. Does that say our conversation is going to be in heaven? Now, to make this real, let me give you this definition. Conversation means general course of manners. It means behavior. So this scripture says, my behavior is in heaven. My mannerism is in heaven. From whence we also look for the Savior, okay? In other words, this particular scripture don't say you're going to heaven. We're not dealing with going to heaven right now. This, it don't say we're going to heaven. It says our conversation and general course of manners, our behavior is already in heaven. Meaning, our character here on earth is a reflection of the character of the abode of God. Our character here on earth is already a direct reflection of heaven itself. And he said, and from this place we look for the coming. In other words, from this place of heavenly character, I look and expect Jesus to come back and get me. Which means I can't even expect Christ to come and take me to heaven if my character does not reflect the abode of God. I think a lot of us are thinking we're going to get it together when we get to heaven. We're going to get it together when we get to heaven. I'll be, I, won't, I won't be like this when I get to heaven. I won't be like that when I get to heaven. When in reality, I'm not even in a position to be looking Jesus to take me to heaven if my character don't reflect the destination in which I desire. Man. Man. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. I got to quit. I got to quit. I'm halfway through my sermon. Hence, this is where I was headed this morning, but we're going to let you go. I'll pick it up later. The process you're in right now is to create this son who looks like Christ and acts like Christ and walks like Christ. Why is that so important to God? Let me let you go with this. Why is that so important to God? Because... You are influenced 
by what you're exposed to. If you're exposed to the cold, you become cold. If you're exposed to heat, you become hot. You are always influenced by what you're exposed to. Some of your nature and character is nothing less than what you were exposed to as a child. Some people are angry and don't even know why. Mad and don't know why. Dysfunctional and don't know why. You're simply a reflection of what you were exposed to. Your dialect, that's simply a reflection of what you were exposed to. Are you following me? Now, I'm just trying to make a point because of what I'm about to say. Whether you know it or not, you're influenced by what you're exposed to. So the whole purpose was of God was to expose himself to a lost and dying world. And the only way he can expose himself is through sons and daughters. Amen? So your predetermined purpose was to be so conformed to the likeness of Christ that everywhere you go, those people are exposed to God. And what you're exposed to changes you. Did y'all catch that? What you're exposed to changes you. It transformed them. Now, all of a sudden, the scripture makes all the sense in the world. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its savior, how in the world is that world going to be salted? Because you're the only hope. You're the only hope. So today, I want you to leave this building, and we'll just have to do one more series, I guess, on this, this topic we're on right now. But I want you to leave here realizing I know what my purpose is now. I know exactly what my purpose is. My purpose is to be transformed into the very likeness of Jesus Christ because he is a human exposure of a heavenly God. That everywhere Jesus went, he exposed people to God. That everywhere I go, I expose them to God. May I submit to Life Church. We may have some visitors in here, and I apologize to you as a visitor, but I do not apologize to you as Life Church. God is raising the bar of the doctrine at Life Church because you are influenced by what you're exposed to. And you're about to be exposed to a doctrine that no longer pacifies foolishness. Why? Because it belittles my father. It's not the right representative of a heavenly father. And God said, I'm going to raise my church back up. So in essence, catch this statement. God didn't call you to give him glory. Catch this. God didn't bring you in here to give him glory. We sing that song, I give you glory, I give you glory, I give you glory. God didn't call you to give him glory because he don't need no more. He don't need it. You may need to be applauded. God don't. He said, I'm God all by myself. You think I need your glory? You can be, you can be screaming, Hosanna. Hosanna, I'm still God. 
Or you can be screaming, crucify, crucify. He said, I'm still God. And you think I need you to, we give you glory, glory. That's my my wife's favorite song. But my statement is, God didn't call you to give him glory. He called you to be an extension of his glory. That's the difference. That everywhere I go, I'm bringing glory to my Father. I'm bringing honor to my Father. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.